so that we can spend significant time in this word, this living word, this word that creates a fountain and a spring in us that hydrates us so that we can be a supply to others. We spend time in this word, learning scripture, understanding scripture, taking it in and letting it do its work in our hearts and in our lives so that we can be a fountain of supply, a resource to others. Do you want to be a supply to someone else today? The answer is yes. Say amen. Okay, all right. This is not a cult, but say amen. Okay, so anyway, yeah, well, of course we do. Of co- so, so, so that we can, we can supply one another. Amen. See, it's a one another thing. Well, well, with that in mind, let's look at the gospel according to Luke chapter 8. Take your Bibles and meet me in Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. And we are in a season where we are studying the parables of Christ. And you're going to find uh, Luke chapter 8, verses 4 to 15, on page 865 of your church Bibles. Now, underneath your seats, you'll find a copy of God's Word or the seat next to you. There's plenty to go around. So find a copy of God's Word, and, and I want you to hear these words from Jesus. This is Luke's version of the sower parable that we started studying this past week. So some of the parables are repeated in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and the reason why is it's to, it's to signify their importance. And, and the sower parable is, is, is a watershed parable. It's the parable of parables. You gotta get this parable if we're gonna get all the other parables, and you will, you'll understand why. Luke 8, 4 to 15. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, that's Jesus, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. Remember, Matthew's gospel says 30-fold, 60-fold, a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And biblically, uh, a secret is is that which is no longer a secret. So it's, it's that which was once a secret, but it's now been revealed. It's a revealed truth. Revelation to you has been given to known. Revelation about the kingdom of God, God's rule, God's reign, wherever what God wants done gets done. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now, now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. 
The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, <laughs> well, they are those who hear in the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart. And they bear fruit with patience. Now, this is the word of God. Wow. Yeah. Parables. Parables are earthly stories about heavenly realities. Earthly stories, heavenly realities. And, and Jesus uses the everyday stuff of life to reveal the unseen realities of the kingdom. So parables are not intended as clever or entertaining rhetoric. They're intended to awaken us to an unseen world, to the realities of an unseen world. This, we, our world wants us to believe that this is all that exists. And Jesus, in his word and with these parables, say, no, 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 no. There's this world and then there's an unseen world. And, and this world is temporary. The unseen world is eternal. And so, so they're intended to create an urgency of awakening toward that unseen real world. And so they push us to a decision. They get us off the dime. They, 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 they crystallize our commitment to Christ. They either give sight or they take sight. They either accelerate our understanding of the unseen glories of the heavenly realm or they, or they cause us to be blind and deaf to their truth. That's what's behind verse 10 when Jesus quoted that abbreviated section. Luke has its own, uh, his own reasons for including uh, what uh, maybe Matthew would include or not, Mark not include, but, but, but Luke's giving the shorthand when, when he quotes Isaiah the prophet who said, why wouldn't people see or understand? Because they don't want to. They've already made up their mind. They, they, they choose not to see, and then eventually they can't see. They get to the point where they can't want God. Man, that's hell. That's what that is. That's hell. And why? Because of the heart. That's why. The heart. And so, so, so parables are spiritual cardio scanners that diagnose the health of your heart. This, this parable is going to diagnose our hearts this morning. Our hearts, your heart, your heart. Your, your heart is your core operating system of your life. 
your heart. You, you are not what you think. You are what you love. You are who you love. And what you love and who you love comes from the heart. And your heart is why you do what you do. Your heart. And, and one author um, calls the heart your love pump. It's your love pump. So, and, and that's what it means to, to be human. To, to, to be human is to have a heart. The, and the longings of the heart point us in a direction and in the direction of some kingdom, and then they propel us toward that some kingdom. And so, so we live leaning forward, bent on arriving at a place we long for. You, you can't not love. You can't. Can't not love. You can't not bet your life on something. You can't not be headed somewhere. So, so the question isn't whether you will love something as ultimate. The question is what you will love as ultimate. And you are what you love. Your desires and your words and your actions all flow from the heart. So, so Jesus says, how does your heart hear? How does your heart hear the word of God? How does it receive the scripture? That's the implied question of this parable. How does my heart hear the word of God? How well does your heart hear? That's what I want to put a tag on this message. How well does your heart hear? And so as we, as we kind of track along uh, this parable here, I want us to, I've got three major movements here. I want to talk about the sower's generosity, the sower's generosity. I want to talk about the heart's receptivity, the heart's receptivity. And then I want to talk about the, the, the three grades of glory. Three grades of glory. I stole that from a preacher who lived 1,600 years ago. Three grades of glory. His name was Cyril. Cyril of Alexandria. And we're quoting him 1,600 years later. Sower's generosity, heart's receptivity, three grades of glory. Let's talk about the sower's generosity first. The sower. The sower went out to sow his seed. This passage speaks about the God who generously sows the seed of his word extravagantly uh, among all kinds of people. There's, there's, just, there's just nothing miserly about the way the word is sown here in these verses. There's no sense that the sower is conserving seed. The sower's flinging the seed wildly onto the field. The, the sower wants as much of the field affected uh, as possible. The sower is God the Father who sowed his son into the world because he loved the world and wants to save the world through him the sower is jesus himself spreading the gospel word that changes lives this sower uh this seed this parable pretty much tells jesus about jesus ministry his sowing the seed to the field and the various receptivities that he received and 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 and, and the sower is in Anyone who sows the seed of the gospel 
in the world. So, so your presence in the place where God has chosen you, wherever that is tomorrow, is the field. You're the seed, and you're sowing seed, the seed of gospel truth, the seed of hope, the seed of peace in Christ. You're sowing that seed where you are. And then you know that there are different levels of receptivity, right, wherever you are. And, and so it can be a classroom, or it can be a, 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 it can be a homeroom, it can be a, a, your, your, your neighborhood. Wherever God has sown you, you have an opportunity others have an opportunity to receive the gospel word would you write down september 17th 2023 in your notes september 17th 2023 it's coming up here in a few short weeks well i, I want to let you know of an all church seed sowing event that we're going to have on sunday september the 17th we're one outdoor service out on the front lawn 10 a.m worship I'm going to tell you right now what I'm going to preach on. I'm going to preach on the parable of the, of the lost sons. Okay? That's Luke 15. And, and, and then and bring your lawn chairs. We're going to have inflatables for our students, and it's going to be outdoor. We're going to have, uh, we're going to have uh, uh, lunch together. And, and be praying about who you might want to invite to that event and who might, who might be open to receive the seed of an invitation so that they can hear the gospel word. The gospel is a seed. Jesus says the gospel is a seed sown, not a projectile fired. It's a seed, not a missile. Now, now when Rome came to Israel, everybody knew, everybody knew, everybody knew. Rome was in town. You could hear the hoofbeats. You could see the armed legions. You could feel the earth rumble from the chariots. And the Roman standards appeared. And, and, and you either cooperated or you were killed. It was that simple. In Jesus' kingdom, he invites you to take his word in your heart, often through suffering and hardship. And Christ said that his kingdom is not like the kingdoms of this world. Change comes from the inside out. At first, people rejected Jesus. They crucified him. And he, 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 he died on Friday, but got up on Sunday. And he showed us that the way up is down. And that the, that the power is the power to serve. To have power is to serve. And to be the greatest is to be the least. And to be the first is to be the last. And that true leadership embodies servanthood. That, that, that's the value of the unseen realm. And the seed of the gospel penetrates hearts with truth and then spreads throughout the entire world. And, and, and we're here as testimony and evidence to that. And, and how does it spread? It spreads by hearing. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Yes, yes. So this is how we learn the difference between the kingdoms of the world and Jesus' kingdom. Because in the kingdoms of the world, they're earthly kings and earthly prime ministers and earthly presidents. They become great by getting a hearing. Earthly kings want to argue and debate and to get people to do what they want. Worldly leaders gain power by talking and not listening. But in the kingdom of heaven, the power of God comes to those who listen. And listen well. The 
power of God comes to those who give a hearing. I'm going to give you my ears, Lord. I'm going to listen well. The power of Jesus' kingdom depends on how well you steward your ears. Hmm. So how are you doing in that? How, 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 how can I tell if I'm a good listener? Well, keep reading the parable. Because your heart is the test of how well you hear the word. So, so, the, so, so the, the sower's generosity is followed up by the hearer's receptivity. And there are some, there are some, uh, there's a receptive heart in this verse, and then there's some unreceptive hearts. Okay, let's get to the, let's do the bad news first. All right. Three hearts. That, and, and the issue is not whether or not people are hearing. They're all, everybody's hearing in this parable, but is, are, they, are we taking it in? Are we letting it influence us? Well, unfortunately, some respond with less than saving faith, beginning with the hardened heart. You see that? Verses 5 and 12 speak of God's word falling on, on hard pack hearts. Hard pack hearts. Asphalt hearts. Hearts that will not uh, let the seed permeated do its work and now in jesus day it was very common for like cornfields and wheat fields to have a path wind its way through the field see and so so the sower would just sow but people would still use that path even cutting through somebody's property and and that path would get hard packed right and the seed would hit the path and bounce, and then that's it. Jesus says some hearts are like that. And, and Jesus said there's nothing neutral going on there. Look what happens. You see what happens? The seed bounces, and, and birds appear. And then snatch up the seed. Who's that? Who's that? Who are those birds? Verse 12. See? The devil. The devil comes. Matthew 13, 19 says the evil one. Mark 4.15 says Satan immediately comes and snatches. Snatches. He picks your pocket. And, and the word means he takes by force. Listen, listen. If you hold the word of God loosely, Satan will come and snatch it right out of your heart. He, he'll strip the word from your heart like a linebacker stripping the ball from that running back. It, it, it's not accidental. It's intentional. They practice that, you know. And then he'll devour it. He'll devour it. But he never, <laughs> Satan never devours the word for his nourishment. He devours it to keep you from your nourishment. He doesn't want God's word. He hates God's word. And he does not want you to have what he hates. So he immediately comes and snatches it and takes it. It's happening right now. I, I hate to be the one to break the news to you folks, but there are birds in the rafters. Demon birds overhead. Demon birds overhead. That's, that's the unseen reality that this very visible parable states. Demon crows fly overhead. You say, my pastor has lost. This, what do you see here? What are you reading? What are you hearing here? 
You, you and I may, may miss church every now and then, but man, they don't. They never miss a sermon. They're here, and they're watching, and they're listening. Author Greg Morse wrote, heads jerk, up, down, left, right. They're looking for seeds, uncovered, defenseless. Demon crows seek the life-generating seed of gospel truth. They look for that truth to fall on the human heart, and if that heart is hard, then it's supper time. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and this is not any old seed. It's miracle seed. It's seed that would bring life change. Change your marriage. Change your parenting. Change the trajectory of your life. Change what your wound and give it healing. It's, it's seed that would save you from hell. It's seed that if taken in would transform you from being God's enemy to God's child. And again, again it's seed that God has not skimped in sowing. The, the sower isn't bashful about sharing the spirit-generated seed of God's supernatural power. Think about it, think about it. Every time the name of Jesus is mentioned in worship, a murder of hungry crows swooped down to snatch some precious gospel seed. I'm telling you, that's what's going on. And the only evidence left behind by those flying garbage disposals, occasional feathers, and crusted over hearts. C.S. Lewis helps us understand how it happens in his, uh, his classic uh, book, The Screwtape Letters, a, uh, about how um, a mentor demon is discipling a, a rookie demon. And Lewis says that the main way this happens is just through distractions. We just get distracted. We, and when we crave sugary distractions, Satan's all too happy to deal us a hit, you know? You're sitting in church, and, 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 and right about the time the truth of Christ is about ready to convict your heart, a distracting thought appears. Looks like Randy's got more gray hair than he used to have. Was that a bald spot in the back of his head? Sure hope the Illini win. Where shall we eat after the Illini win? I sure smell sister so-and-so's signature perfume today. Whew. Distractions. Distractions. <laughs> We're not talking about credible evidence that would deconstruct Christianity. We're just talking about a brief diversion of your attention. And the birds just scoop that seed up. Jesus said, beware the birds. People, people, people with unbelieving hearts never sit alone in church. Satan shows up too. We, we'll always find him at church. He never stays away. Hmm. Yeah, hard hearts, hard hearts, hard hearts. And they're, they're not the only ones that can't bear fruit, right? So there are also shallow hearts. Look at verse 13. 
hard hearts and shallow hearts. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. So, so in Israel, soil uh, in some places was just a couple of inches deep, just a couple of inches deep. And then beneath that was an entire layer of uh, bedrock or, or limestone. So, so the soil masked a, a layer of rock, and, and heat would radiate from that rock, and newly planted seed would quickly sprout, signs of life. All right, verse 13. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. So the sun's, the sun's heat warmed the soil to initiate growth, and the stone was there radiating the heat beneath the surface of the soil, but the roots had no place else to go, and climate took over. And, and initial joy was wilted by scorching hardship. Beloved, the defining mark of authentic conversion is not the initial outburst of joy. And so it's not enough to feel joy out of the baptistry. It's not enough to feel feelings of happiness at having prayed the sinner's prayer. The, the, the proof of faith is not its passion at the start, but its perseverance to the finish. So how we finish matters as much as how we start. Now, I don't want to be misunderstood. All of heaven is filled with rejoicing when a soul is converted. Luke 15, 7, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. And, and, and one dimension of the Spirit's fruit is, is joy, right? Love, joy, joy. But Jesus makes it clear in this parable that great joy sometimes accompanies false conversion. So, so neither extroverted joy nor introverted peace proves anything one way or another as to whether someone's profession of faith was real or not. Jesus says a tree, Matthew 12, 33, Matthew 12, 33, a tree is known by its fruit, by its fruit. So, and isn't that why the sower sows? The sower sows for the purpose of fruit. That's why the sower sows. So, so it doesn't matter, ultimately, how much enthusiasm hearers show in their initial response to the Word of God. A rootless faith will soon shrivel. But listening and taking it in and letting the Word influence us, that's how we bear fruit. Uh, uh, Hebrews 3.14, Hebrews 3.14 we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Steadfast to the end. So please, please, please. So don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit coming. Keep worshiping. Keep praying. Keep getting out of bed. Keep coming back. Jesus is risen. Jesus is reigning. God is faithful. He's won the battle. Amen? Yeah, hard hearts, shallow hearts, and then choked hearts. Verse 14. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Their fruit does not mature. So, so 
So notice here, the soil is good. The soil's good. It's good soil. Good soil brings its own challenges. Like what? Like weeds. Weeds happen, don't they? Weeds of worry. Weeds of anxiety. Weeds about things you can't control. And Jesus uses a word for uh, weeds, what stands for the weeds, are the, he, he says the cares. Literally, literally, it comes from a verb that means to cut you up into parts. Yeah, that's what anxiety does, doesn't it? I, anxiety takes you apart piece by piece, doesn't it? It, 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 it just slices you to pieces. And, uh, and, and, and they lead us to self-medicate on riches and pleasures, which is why you see them tied together here, right? Cares and riches and pleasures of life. As if, as if the riches and pleasures had some mystical divine power to help, but you know they don't, and they never will. Uh, uh, Ed Welch is on the faculty, uh, on the staff of the Christian Counseling Education Foundation, CCEF, and it's a, it's a very helpful resource that I commend to you. And I really appreciate how he teaches about cares and worries and anxieties. And this is what he says. He says, the, so the ability to worry means that I have the capacity to feel. All right? So, so then what is that care? What is that worry? What is that anxiety? Well, it's like a, it's like a check engine light on your car's dashboard. Worry is the God-given capacity to feel that something isn't right, right related to either the past, present, or future. Which, that's a good thing. But worries can spread like weeds. And weeds like to take over. And so weeds choke life. And, and so much so that weeds can create a, 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 a weediverse, right? A weediverse. Universe, weediverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just making that up right now. It came to me. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, and so and they, they create this pseudo-world and that shrinks my world to just two occupants, myself and my worries, and that's it. In, in the Weediverse, there's just two population of two. Myself and my worries. Myself and the threat to the thing I love. And the thing I love can be a good thing. Right? Like, like, my, like my life, my, my spouse, my job, my health, my retirement, my country, my children, my grandchildren. So it doesn't have to be a bad object necessarily, but so often the weeds of anxiety shrink life to just two things, myself and what I'm anxious about, and the result is that I can't see God. In, in the universe of anxiety, there's no God, or it's as if God does not exist, and as a result, as a result, my life does not mature the way it's supposed to. So how do we, how do we get the weeds out? How do we get the weeds out? Pray, man. Pray, sister. Prayer pulls the weeds of anxiety because when you pray, you are speaking to God and prayer is an act of faith that says, no, God, myself and my anxieties are not the only two occupants in the universe. You reign over all. Present your request to God. 
So anxiety serves us when it alerts us to trouble and drives us to the throne of God. Speak to God. God, you are bigger than my worries. Listen, listen. Your step of obedience will always be smaller than the problem. Like a seed. But when you sow it, man, it'll grow. And your, your call to love will never be as big as what is wrong. But you still love. And God will take that and grow it. In every area where there is worry, God's calling you to a step of faith and love. Man, it, 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 see, in God's reality, no anxiety can withstand his presence. Yeah, I'm fighting a battle that he's already what? One, one, yeah, yeah. So pray. God is more and God is one. And that takes us to this, to this fourth soil here. This is the punchline of the parable here. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Luke 8, 15 says, They are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Patience. So the fruit, it, so we're not, sticking that, we're not sticking that seed in a microwave oven. We're putting it in the good soil, holding it fast, with an honest and good heart, and we're bearing fruit with patience. And the, and the three ways of disaster is, is overpowered and overcome by three grades of glory. Thank you, Cyril of Alexandria, 1,600 years ago. Great rejection is met by great acceptance. You see that? Yeah. Yeah, the 30-fold, Mark says in his gospel, as well as Matthew, 60-fold, 100-fold. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So here's the big idea. Your receiving of God's word depends on the hearing of your heart. So, so receiving and believing depends on hearing and heeding. It's not your eardrum that determines whether you receive gospel seed. It's your heart. Now, so can my heart hear God's word? Will my heart hear God's word? Will my heart let God's word teach me, train me, challenge me, correct me, break up the soil within, will let it germinate? God sowed the seed of his son into the world and that seed was accepted and rejected and Jesus' own life embodies the reality of the sower. Thorns encircled his head as he died on a cross. Like a seed, he was buried in the earth. Jesus himself said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And God works even when it looks like the total opposite. The world is full of thorns and birds and stifling heat. But the sower keeps sowing and the word keeps growing all the same. And we're here as a result of that. We're here as a result of that. And then the parable points to the miracle that despite the hopelessness and failure, God's mighty word will bring victory as he has promised. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it in Christ Jesus. You believe that? I believe that. I can't preach if I don't believe that. He who promised is faithful. And this sower reassures the church that all is not lost. The gospel will last and, and, and why? Why such a productive harvest? Because the power is in the seed, not the soil. Amen. 
The soil simply receives and believes. Soil doesn't do the work. The Word of God does the work in His saving power. Never underestimate the power of God's Word, church. And our assignment is simply to take the gospel. You'll never be, I've never argued anybody into the kingdom of God. Have you? You just, here's the word. We just share the word. We share the gospel. And our church is not about technique. Our church is not about the latest fads or glittering programs. It's just simply about broadcasting the Bible, broadcasting the word, creating opportunities to preach and teach and share the life-giving, life-changing, regenerative word of God. And folks, there's no plan B. This is it. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates to the division of, of, of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And nothing but the Word of God can do this work. And God's Word will do its work. So keep listening and keep spreading. He who has ears to hear, 